Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. So glad you have joined us. Coming up today, big day in the house, votes on immigration and perhaps farm bill as well. We'll get the very latest on that. What's in the farm bill, both on the House and Senate side, when it comes to rural health? We'll talk with the uh, government affairs policy manager for the National Rural Health Association. Diane Kalmus will join us to take a look at what's in there because this is a huge need throughout rural America. Uh, we're facing some real challenges, losing rural hospitals, health care harder and harder to uh, get for many people, and especially remote areas of rural America. We're going to talk about what's in the Farm Bill, both the House and Senate side when it comes to rural health care. Also today, going to talk with the U.S.-China Business Council. Take a look at the impact of these trade tensions between the U.S. and China, what we're seeing in the future if this escalates, and the different areas we may not even be thinking about that it could impact all of us here in the United States. And speaking of trade with China and the tensions, we're going to talk with the uh, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Certainly pork really feeling the impact of these trade tensions, and we'll get the latest on that coming up as well. But first, I want to talk with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, will the uh, uh, Farm Bill vote, is it on for this afternoon in the House? Is that when the, when the schedule calls for it? Great to be here, Mike. Yeah, it looks like uh, the last vote series of the day uh, go to reconsider uh, the House the House Farm Bill, the bill that uh, failed on the floor last month. And uh, assuming that uh, vote uh, uh, passes, then they would go to uh, final passage of the bill, which. Now, the last I saw, I was reading uh, different comments, but it sounds like they feel like they have the votes to pass the farm bill this time. I believe they do. As you know, there was a group of um, conservatives, Republican conservatives, who said uh, they uh, wouldn't vote for the farm bill until to vote on an immigration bill developed by the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Bob Goodlatte. They are going to get that vote today, uh, earlier in the day, and uh, that uh, is enough, uh, say, several of the conservatives that I've talked to, including uh, um, Mark Meadows, uh, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, and Jim Jordan, a former chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, to, uh, to get them to vote for the farm bill. Uh, Jordan told me yesterday he expected the farm bill to pass this time. So this is a big day in the House, both immigration votes and a farm bill vote. Yes, yes. Uh, I should say that this uh, Goodland immigration bill contains some uh, provisions to create a new guest worker program for agriculture. Uh, it's, it's not uh, really what agriculture wants and thinks it will work, and this bill won't pass. However, uh, there is a commitment from the Republican leadership to take up a second, a separate second uh, immigration bill in July that will deal uh, uh, primarily with uh, farm labor issues. Now, we've talked a lot about that this week with different guests. That seems pretty risky to me, separating that part out 
and uh, trying to get a standalone vote later in the summer and getting enough uh, support to get it passed. Um, I don't know. That that sounds shaky to me. Uh, it's it's a chance to debate the issue. Uh, House Agriculture Chairman Mike Conaway told me that it's a it's an opportunity to put members on the record on whether they uh, support addressing the needs of uh, of agriculture. Uh, that uh, may be all it uh, ultimately accomplishes. Uh, Democrats over the well, Democrats are not probably not going to like this bill, and um, you've got to have some Democratic support over in the Senate to go anywhere. The chairman of the Judiciary Committee over there is Chuck Grassley from Iowa. He's not going to initiate a bill, and uh, he sounds uh, pretty skeptical that the uh, Senate would take it up. So. I don't know how risky it is, but I don't know how far it'll get either. Yeah, we're talking with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. So today the House votes on the immigration bills and then a farm bill. And we should say again, the farm bill hasn't changed in the House from the last one they voted on, right, Phil? Same bill and same uh, right, same uh, bill, same and the same uh, objections by the Democrats. So we're not expecting any of them to vote for it again this time. That's right. Uh, this will—it's it's a Republican-only bill, basically, and so that's that's the challenge. They had to make sure they had enough Republican support to uh, to pass it. Yeah, it'll be the same bill with the amendments that uh, the few amendments that were adopted. Now, over on the Senate side, um, you know, it's it kind of it sailed through the uh, Senate Ag Committee, but we're hearing—you know—Senator Grassley is making it very clear. He's insisting on getting something in there on payment limits. Um, could that get to the point where it bogs it down in the Senate, or do you think they'll still uh, be able to move on uh, past those objections, or will he get some of that language in that Senate bill? He could get some of that language. There also could be a vote on uh, establishing a means test for crop insurance. That would uh, raise a lot of concern with uh, uh, farm groups and certainly the industry as well. Uh, even if those amendments get in the bill, that doesn't mean they'll wind up in the final version. There'll be a lot of pushback from uh, the House negotiators uh, led by uh, Chairman Conaway uh, to any, any attempt to tighten up the payment limits. Uh, it's a big difference than uh, the last time the farm bill was up because then uh, Grassley's uh, provisions uh, were also adopted by the House. That didn't happen. They didn't even get a vote this time over in the House. So... Uh, it's Senator Grassley has a, he, he could prevail on the Senate floor, but he has an uphill battle in terms of getting anything into law. Phil, also, there's an interesting uh, story kind of brewing here. The White House talking about making some changes to jurisdiction of the food stamp uh, program would move it from USDA to Health and Human Services. Uh, how's that being received? Uh, you know, there's been zero buzz about that. I don't think that has much, uh, uh, many legs in, in Congress. Anytime you move around jurisdiction, it creates uh, creates issues. Uh, now, the uh, House Agriculture Committee uh, says it's got jurisdiction on uh, uh, supplemental nutrition assistance program wherever it goes. Um it's not just their jurisdiction; is just limited to uh, U.S. Uh, USDA. But uh, you, you, among the other among the other challenges, it's just difficult to unless you've got a real consensus in Congress 
um, to to move to major reorganization like uh, like that. So this is this is one part of uh, of a number of uh, changes, big big sweeping moves um, uh, that the administration is apparently uh, proposing. I don't see them going anywhere. I've seen zero interest on on the Hill in this. Yeah, it seems wherever the SNAP program goes, controversy is bound to follow, and we'll we'll see what happens there. <laughs> right. Phil, thanks a lot. We'll look we'll look forward All to seeing right. what happens in the House today. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications does a great job covering the Farm Bill. All right, what's in the House Farm Bill and the Senate version of the Farm Bill when it comes to rural health? We'll talk with the Government Affairs and Policy Manager for the National Rural Health Association next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential. Explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800 352 1402. That's 800 352 1402. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 149, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so today in the House, immigration and farm bill votes. What's in the House version of the farm bill that they'll be voting on, and what about that Senate version that came through the uh, Senate Ag Committee? What's in it concerning rural health? We'll talk about it now with Diane Kalmus. She is Government Affairs and Policy Manager for the National Rural Health Association. Diane, thank you for joining us again. Uh, let's go back and talk about the House version that they vote on today. Same bill as before. Uh, what's in it uh, that would help rural health? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, the House bill has some great things for rural health care that are included in it. For the first time, we actually have an entire section that is, a, that is all about rural health care. Um, and that was a really positive thing that we saw happening. Um, and just having that sort of recognition as a part of the, of the farm bill is fantastic. Um, additionally, we have some discretion added in for the secretary to prioritize where money is going in the case of a rural health emergency. So one example of this would be the current opioid crisis. So this would allow the secretary of agriculture to have some discretion within rural health programs in the USDA to prioritize towards that emergency. Additionally, we have the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network um, to assist farmers and ranchers. So many areas in rural America do not have ready access to mental health care. This would be a way to bridge that gap to fill in, in for that. Unfortunately, the suicide rate amongst farmers and ranchers is actually higher than amongst veterans. Um, and so this is a really positive thing to see that included in the bill. Um, additionally, we have um, Representative Jody Arrington uh, put forth an amendment on the floor in, uh, when it was previously on the House floor, um, an amendment that passed that would allow refinancing for rural hospitals through the USDA's Guaranteed Loan Program. Um, which is a really, really positive step. Additionally, we see robust support for telehealth programs, for the community development, guaranteed loans, and grant programs. There's a lot in there for rural health care that's really positive. Hmm. Now, what about the, the bill that came out of the Senate Ag Committee? Now, we don't have a final bill there yet. It still has to be voted on in the Senate floor. But uh, what you've seen so far what, that's in the Senate bill, uh, what's in there for rural health? We also see really positive things in the Senate bill. Um, we see, again, that really robust support for the telehealth programs and the community development loan and grant programs that we see in the House program. Um, and additionally, we see more priorities for opioid treatment in rural America, specifically through the telehealth program. Um, additionally, when going through the Agricultural Committee, a rural health liaison was added as a component of the bill. This would be a position that would work between the USDA and, and the health care programs of the USDA and HHS to make sure that those programs are working together and really utilizing resources to the best of the ability without duplicating between two different government agencies. 
So it sounds like we don't know what the final final bill will look like. We've got a long ways to go, but it, with both bills containing a lot of good things for rural health, it, it would seem the chances are pretty good that the final bill will have some positives. Absolutely. There are good things in both bills, and there are a lot of members of Congress uh, in both the House and the Senate are very supportive of rural health care. And so we think that once the final bill on both sides get passed, that it will be a really positive bill and that the conference committee will be able to make it even stronger by putting together the positives of the House bill and the positives of the Senate bill. So we're working really hard to make sure that both the House and the Senate knows what's in each other's bills so that once each chamber passes their bill, they can get together and come up with an even stronger bill for rural health care. We're talking with Diane Kalmus. She's Government Affairs and Policy Manager for the National Rural Health Association. All right, Diane, I want to talk about a couple of uh, very critical areas. Uh, you alluded to one of them, the suicide rate among, uh, among farmers. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and, and what ways uh, is that being addressed? Absolutely. So this is a very concerning area um, in, in health care. And unfortunately, 55% of all American counties, most of which are rural, do not have a single psychologist, psychiatrist, or social worker within their community. And so the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network is a way to utilize existing resources and connect communities to each other in order to provide the support that these farmers and ranchers need in order to reach out for the help that they require. So we're really, we really think this is a positive step, and we're, we're really pleased to see that it's, that it's shown up in the Farm Bill again. Because there are a couple issues here. One, uh, for someone uh, who needs or feels like they need help, getting them to seek that help. And then, two, is there the help available to them if they're seeking it? Absolutely. And this is a way to um, allow them to reach out for that help without needing to walk through a clinic door. Um, and that, we think, is a great way to start people onto the path of reaching out for the help that they need. Additionally, the telehealth services within this farm bill are also a really positive step. We've actually seen that when talking about mental health services, that people are much more willing to engage via telemedicine. We all know that in a rural community, everybody knows everybody. You're going to run into your doctor at the grocery store, at church. You're going to see them around. And so for a lot of members of the community, that's a disincentive to engage in those services. We actually saw one demonstration project where the majority, almost 90% of people, actually said that they preferred receiving their mental health care through telehealth versus in person. So it's a really great um, opportunity to not only get those services into the communities that need them, but to get them into the communities in a way that they're actually able to be more effective than in-person care in time. And, and give us the latest on the opioid crisis and what's being done to try to, to, uh, uh, to fight it and uh, give people the help they need. Absolutely. As I said, there's some positive things included in the Farm Bill, um, including some priority for opioid treatment within the telehealth programs at the USDA. Additionally, Congress has been working on a number of bills. The House has been considering over 60 bills that look at various aspects of this problem. Um, opioids have a lot of different components to it. You have the health care components. You have 
the judicial system component. And Congress really is trying to look at a number of these. And there are a number of great bills that really do address the problems in rural America, making treatment more available through rural health clinics, making medication-assisted treatments available in rural areas by making sure that providers that are providing care in rural areas are able to provide these really important treatments as well as get get the training and education that they need to be able to provide those treatments. So we're seeing a lot of things happening that are really good for rural America in the opioid space, and we think that uh, this farm bill is just one more piece of that. What's the biggest challenge uh, on this crisis? Is it a lack of awareness or is it a lack of understanding of it? What would you say? I would say when we're talking about the opioid crisis, really the issue is everybody has heard about it. Everybody is touched by it. Um, We see in in, um, rural communities the, the percentage of people that are touched by the opioid crisis is almost the entire community. And the reality is people are aware of it but they're not sure what to do. So many treatment centers are located in urban centers. They're far away um, for medication-assisted treatment where these individuals have to go in daily or very frequently. Um, When you have to go to a distant urban area to receive this care, that puts it out of the touch and reach of most rural Americans. And so by these new bills that would allow these treatments to be moved into the rural communities, we really think are really positive steps in the right direction. And finally, Diane, the latest on, uh, we you keep reminding us of this terrible situation. We're losing a number of rural uh, hospitals. Is that number continuing to, uh, are we continuing to lose more of those? Sadly, we are continuing to lose more. In fact, we just had an updated report that two more rural hospitals have closed, bringing us to 85 rural hospitals that closed, and we actually know of a couple of more that have already told the state that they're planning on closing. We continue to work very hard to address the issue of access to healthcare in rural America, um, and this closure crisis really is continuing to escalate. Yeah, there are a lot of layers to the rural health uh, picture and the challenges that are out there. And uh, we want to keep people abreast and aware of what's going on. And glad to hear there are some things that can help in, uh, in the farm bill, both in the House and Senate side. Diane, thank you for the update. We'll stay in touch as always. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Diane Kalmus, Government Affairs and Policy Manager for the National Rural Health Association. So keep that in mind as these farm bills are debated and, and voted on. We talk a lot about food stamps. We talk a lot about uh, commodity t- programs, and those are all important, but so, too, are these uh, provisions that would help with rural health care. Trade very much in the news, especially with China. We're going to talk with the Senior Vice President of the U.S.-China Business Council. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart, for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable 
adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Wheat and corn futures trending higher on a Thursday as traders begin to refocus on global threats to production. Russia, one of the world's biggest grain producers, is suffering through a drought that's expected to cut into the upcoming harvest in southern areas of that country. In the wheat futures, we are trending seven to eight higher in Chicago wheat, five to six in a fraction better in Kansas City, an hour into the trading day. Minneapolis spring wheat, four to six cents higher. In corn, trending a penny or two better. The new crop December at 377 and three quarters, that's up two cents. We've got support on 360. The 14 day relative strength index fell to 25% on Wednesday. On the upside, minor resistance lies at 379. Forecasters say much of the central and southeast U.S. will be at risk of severe storms as the weekend approaches. The National Storm Prediction Center saying two regions will be most at risk, an area that encompasses parts of western Oklahoma, western Kansas, eastern Colorado. Also on Friday, storms could be severe in the deep south, especially in parts of Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, parts of Tennessee, too. In soybean futures, we are three to four in a fraction lower an hour into the trading day, November at 9.06 and three quarters, down three and three quarters. Livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures, we are 20 to 42 cents lower. Feeder cattle trending 70 to 87 cents lower, waiting for cash cattle trade to develop in the south. Lean hog futures, nearby July up 20 cents, 80.32, but the back months 42 to 80 cents lower. The Dow down 186 points, crude oil down 36 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Well, we've talked a lot about the tensions, the trade tensions between the U.S. and China. Some of the impacts are very obvious. We look at uh, how commodity markets have been reacting and the, the concern over exports and trade now and into the future. But there are other 
ways this can impact all of us that uh, some may not be really obvious or we may not be aware of. I want to talk about that with our next guest, Aaron Innes, a senior vice president for the U.S.-China Business Council. Aaron, thanks for joining us on Adams and Agriculture. Thanks for having me. Um, first of all, your assessment of where we're at uh, in these trade tensions, I don't, you know, some people say we're already in a trade war, some say not yet, but getting close. However you want to describe it, uh, what is the situation as you see it right now and how it's impacting uh, our trade with, uh, with China? Yeah, I, I think um, the old adage from the Supreme Court ruling about um, knowing pornography when you see it, trade wars are about the same. You'll, you'll know it when you see it, and it's going to be probably a little bit different for every sector and for everybody who is dealing with trade. Right now what we are seeing is we're in a little bit of a lull leading up to July 6th when the first round of U.S. tariffs on these particular products will go into place. And these products include um, a lot of technical uh, you know, technology products, a lot of plastics and chemicals, things that are in some very specific Chinese policies. Um, those in the ag industry will, of course, know there's other tariffs that are in place on the China side in response for some other actions the United States has taken. But right now, we're kind of still in the lead-up to the next big wave of tariffs. What we think and what we hope will happen is that the U.S. and the Chinese will sit down and potentially avert this first round of tariffs and then maybe start trying to resolve some of these issues. But as of right now, there are no indications that's happening yet. So we've still got about a week and a half before um, any, anyone actually pulls the trigger on it. But um, right now, the best we can do is hope for um, resolution. I'm interested to get your perspective on this because within the ag community, uh, we kind of view it acknowledging there are bigger issues that do need to be addressed between the U.S. and China. But the feeling is agriculture kind of bears much of the brunt of uh, of long-term pain in the effort to get uh, uh, short-term pain, I should say, in the effort to get long-term solutions to these problems. How do you view uh, the situation and especially uh, do you look at that impact on agriculture and and what how do you view that sure we we have the exact same point of view we i don't think there's any widespread disagreement that the administration is focusing on exactly the right issues with china uh the issues of intellectual property protection and technology transfer while may not be you know day-to-day for many in the ag industry it certainly is for some particularly those who might deal with um, uh, biotech seeds or advanced technology and harvesting at the same time you're absolutely right. Um, the ag industry gets hit disproportionately. Part of that is a reflection of the fact that we just sell a lot of ag products to China, and the other sectors that we sell products in aren't necessarily quite as large. So it's the most obvious target for China when they want to send a message to us. That doesn't mean, however, that it is um, the right thing for the Chinese government to do, and it also doesn't mean that using tariffs on the U.S. side is the right approach to addressing those issues on IP and tech transfer. We're talking with Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President of the U.S.-China Business Council. Aaron, we see a lot of numbers thrown around, uh, and we hear the talk about a trade imbalance in China's favor when it comes to U.S.-China trade. 
We know they're a big buyer of our ag products, but overall, what is the trade number? What are the trade numbers? What is that balance or imbalance between the two countries? Sure. So when you look at goods, imports, and exports, that's really what the administration is focused on when they talk about these issues. We sold about $130 billion worth of goods to China in 2017. So that's everything from ag products, but planes and semiconductors and oil and gas, so any physical product that we sell to China. And we imported probably about $500 billion or so more in goods from China than we then um, you know in comparison now that is certainly one way to look at the relationship uh, you know from our point of view we don't think that that's the best way to look at the trading relationship because while we might buy more stuff from China than they buy from us there's a lot of US companies that make and produce product in China that are accessing Chinese customers there's the overall relationship that we have that if we didn't buy it from China, we might not be buying it from the U.S. As a consequence, we might be buying it from Mexico or Canada or from Vietnam or Malaysia or even Europe. So the trade deficit is an imperfect way to look at it, even though the data on goods, imports, and exports is definitely favoring China because they sell us a lot more than we sell them. Now, I think that's a that's an excellent point because we hear those numbers and they 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 do kind of jump out at you. We sell 130 billion to them; they're selling uh, 500 billion back to us, and it does look really out of whack. But uh, as you said, you got to look uh, kind of between the lines and behind those numbers a little bit to get the full story. Exactly. All right. So I was mentioning this the other day that if this leads to uh, higher consumer prices on a number of goods. Uh, then it'll start getting even more real for people in this country, and they'll start taking more uh, notice of it. What is the potential that this trade, whatever you want to call it, these trade tensions and the escalation, if it goes forward, uh, what's the potential impact on consumers across this country? Well, it's really going to depend on how far all of this goes. If this, we are limited to a round of, of I think it's 37 billion is the first round of tariffs. It's going to be fairly targeted. The way that the administration came up with these numbers was they tried to very specifically pull out the products that they felt were going to have the most direct impact on consumers. So, based on the initial list that the administration has released, they took off televisions, which largely come from China these days cell phones, which are largely assembled in China these days, even though the parts might come from all over. So the initial impact is probably going to be more on the industrial sector and probably affect um, companies that are manufacturing in the U.S. who might use inputs from China. And so there might be some residual pass-on to U.S. consumers as those companies decide whether they're going to increase prices to offset that um, aspect. There's also going to be the impact, however, on you know the U.S. Uh, businesses because China is going to put on a mirror image of those tariffs, largely initially focusing on agriculture and seafood products. And so there's going to be an impact on sales for those companies, either needing to find an alternative market for what they've been selling to China all this time, or um, face the fact they're going to have to lose market share to uh, European customers with no other good alternative at the moment. 
Yeah, you get into these situations, and neither country will want to look like they're giving in. So that can make it even tougher sometimes to get uh, a deal struck. But then there, you hear this talk, and we hear about it some in agriculture, uh, when people say, well, eventually China will have to buy from us. Their needs are so great that they're going to have to buy from us anyway. Uh, is that something that is a big part of this, or are we overstating that or overplaying it? How do you feel about that strategy and that, and that feeling? I guess the the feeling that I have about that is what is acceptable in terms of eventually they would have to buy for us. I mean, particularly in the ag sector, um, farmers and ranchers have to plan ahead for what they're going to plant, where they're going to sell those products, and it's not like it's going to be able to sit on a shelf for um, years as the Chinese figure out that there's no good alternative market. I think we should be prepared for the fact that if this moves forward and neither side is willing to step down, that we are probably looking at more than a few weeks, probably months, you know, up to potentially a year of this being a ramification. And we should also be prepared for the fact that once the Chinese find out what the alternative markets might be for some of the products that they want, that's going to be continue to be a competitor from that point forward to to U.S. goods and services as well. You know, while the the Argentines or others might not be able to to sell China all of the soybeans that they've been buying from the United States, that doesn't mean that the they're going to stop buying Argentine soybeans once they recognize that things are getting a little better from the U.S. They may end up diversifying who their sources are to protect them from future trade disruptions. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Do you do we run the risk of damaging a relationship with a country like China that could uh, cost us moving forward, even if if we get past this initial round of tensions, uh, as you said, maybe in the form of them looking elsewhere and, and developing relationships they might not have otherwise? Or do you just when you you come to some kind of conclusion, is it uh, you forgive and forget and, and move on like it didn't happen? How does this play out longer term? I've been doing this job for about 13 years, and my experience is that trade tensions come and go. So in general, um, the two governments and and their businesses seem to be able to move past it once they have settled an issue. You know, the key for the United States in this circumstance is going to be those underlying issues that are driving these tariffs. Are, is there a resolution of those issues? These have been longstanding issues. They're not new to this administration. They're not going to go away when the next administration comes into place. So the key is going to be both maintaining the relationship and ensuring that bygones are bygones once we move past this trade tension, but maintaining dialogue and actually making progress on the issues that not only affect those intellectual property rights and technology issues, but you know some of the barriers that are preventing U.S. ag products from getting more robustly into the market as well. Aaron, really appreciate your perspective on this and uh, look forward to talking with you more in the future as this plays out. Thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council. Well, we know the U.S. pork industry r- really feeling the impact of these trade tensions with China. We're going to talk with the uh, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council and get uh, their assessment of where we're at now and what this could lead to. Stay with us on AOA. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large 
or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. 
If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can rest of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Our thanks to Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President of the U.S.-China Business Council, for joining us last segment. Really appreciated her perspective, uh, kind of someone who's uh, kind of outside of agriculture but uh, has a, a big-picture look at it, but certainly acknowledging the impact these tensions with China have on U.S. agriculture and giving us a look uh, kind of behind some of the numbers that are kind of tossed out in uh, the sound bites and the and some of the uh, news stories uh, on the uh, ongoing dispute. But it obviously is having a big impact on agriculture, some segments more than others. Uh, the pork industry has been feeling the impact for some time now. Joining us is uh, Maria Ziba. She's the uh, National Pork Producers Council Director of International Affairs. Maria, thanks for joining us again here on Adams and Agriculture. Thank you for having me on. You know, so much of the talk is about July 6th when a lot of this is going to go into, uh, these tariffs would go into place and retaliation and everything. But in the meantime, the pork industry, the U.S. pork industry, already feeling the impact, uh, right? That's correct. For U.S. pork producers, we're feeling the impact on the China retaliation, but also on the Mexican retaliation. Um, Both of those have gone into effect. And for our producers, you know, China is a really big market for us, Mexico an even bigger one, and they're starting to feel the pinch. The futures market is, is definitely gotten hurt, um, and that, that translates to big money. Uh, Dr. Dermot Hayes from Iowa State did uh, an analysis, and it looks like we're down um, $17.30 per hog, um, and that's on an annualized basis. So it's it's a lot of money for producers when they're they're getting hurt. You bring up a good point with Mexico. For all the talk about China and how big a market it is and the potential there, uh, the reality is right now Mexico's our big market, right? That's correct. 70, 60 to seventy percent of our U.S. hams go to Mexico currently, and that is on the retaliation list. Um, right now, we're facing a 10% tariff. That's going to kick up to 20% on July 5th. And I'm not sure what our producers um, will will be able to do uh, and whether we'll be competitive. It's, it's all uh, up in the air. But if with 70% of our hams going there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have an impact. 
What are you seeing? What are you hearing uh, that uh, would give us any optimism that there's a resolution in sight to this? Well, I know that the administration has been working really diligently and hard to resolve this issue, um, not only with our Mexican counterparts, um, but also with their Mex- with their Chinese counterparts. I think that right now the talks um, need to continue, and we've seen some breakthroughs in the past, and we're, we're optimistic, and we have to continue to be optimistic that um, just as the administration has seen some key wins on trade, we, we will also um, feel some reprieve. So here's the question I keep asking. Um, do we risk driving good customers like Mexico and China right into the arms of someone else, or once these things are uh, are resolved, they come right back to us and we can get back to where we were. How do, how do you feel about that? It's really hard to speculate on that. Um, we've obviously have developed a really great relationship um, in Mexico, and that's um, been for over 20 years since the inception of NAFTA. Um, we're hopeful that we can keep those customers. We've developed a great relationship, and and that they'll they'll continue to come to us. Pretty hard to overcome uh, if we lose uh, much to that mar- Mexican market. But are there other markets that could pick up some of that slack, where we could, could make some gains in some other areas? There are some um, shining stars and shining areas where we are exporting and continue to export. You know, the numbers aren't out on what the impact has been on China or Mexico. So that's something to keep in mind, that right now the way that we're looking at things is through the futures market because the the data lags behind a couple of months. But in the Asia-Pacific region and in Latin America with Colombia, Peru, Central America, where essentially where we have free trade agreements, we see growth in those markets, and we're going to continue to see that growth because we have that competitive advantage. Yeah, for those that question the value of a free trade agreement, uh, you have some proof there that shows uh, it certainly is helping the, the pork industry. Now, we're hearing about a possible trade deal between the U.S. and Taiwan. Would that be a, a market for U.S. pork? Most definitely. Taiwan has been in our sights for a number of years. Unfortunately, we're too much into Taiwan because of unjustified barriers to trade that we face. Um, you know, we have to evaluate what this, everything is up in the air, and, and we don't really know what, what the trade agreement will come. But I, I am sure that for us, our top, our biggest priority in Taiwan would be to eliminate the ban that they have on, on ractopamine, a, a product that has been proven safe not only in the United States, but by the Codex Elementarius, which is uh, an international organization part of the United Nations. And, of course, then you also have a further risk of tensions with China because of the relationship uh, between China and Taiwan. Yes, and that's all going to have to um, be settled one way or another. Like I said, we, we can't get the cart, um, the, the horse in front of the cart um, too quickly there, but um, it's, it's uh, the cart in front of the horse, I should say. 
Um, but it, it, there's a lot of speculation on that. It would definitely be a market that we would be interested in, considering that they're such big um, port consumers. Well, these are anxious times to be sure, but just uh, always want to kind of remind people that while uh, in some cases we're looking ahead to potential tariffs and retaliation coming, uh, remind folks that uh, there's pain being felt in certain areas and U.S. pork being one of them. Maria, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Maria Ziba, she is Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. So, These stories continue, and today a big day in the House with votes on immigration and the Farm Bill. We'll review all that for you coming up tomorrow here on AOA, plus what's happening with the renewable fuels industry. Some things happening there as well. We'll keep you updated right here, and I hope that you'll tune us in. Have a great day, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow on AOA. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. Are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure we'll send you everything you need including the base station the patented mobile device the waterproof pendant and wrist button you can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial there's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract for a limited time you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase remember mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137.